I'm Kristen Elizabeth, and welcome to the Evolving Mama podcast. This show holds space for you as we begin to uncover who we really are on our path to awakening. We are here to guide you back into your power and to discover your purpose in this lifetime. You will be inspired to reconnect to your higher self and tap into mind, body, and soul to find clarity, confidence, and joy. Join me and inspiring guests as we share evolution through career, motherhood, spirituality, manifestation, and co-creating the life of our dreams. My intention is that these expansive conversations act as a mirror where you begin to see a reflection of who you are and who you want to become. Now, together, we expand. beautiful soul and welcome to the Evolving Mama podcast. It's Kristen Elizabeth, your host, and here we are with the last episode being published in 2023. What a year it has been. I am so looking forward to reflecting on my goals and manifestation list and really seeing what what I connected with, what happened for me, what appeared in my life, what actions I took, what goals I achieved, and also seeing if there are any that I want to carry over into 2024. I'm also really looking forward to having a bit of a ritual, solo time to do that and reflect and really, really dig in and think about the way that I want to feel in 2024. Because a lot of what we do, the actions that we take, the goals that we set, we want them to be in alignment with the life that we want to live and the way that we want to feel. It's important not to just kind of create arbitrary goals or things that the society deems as successful. It's truly about aligning with your authentic self and setting goals and seeking manifestations that light you up, make you feel good, make your life better. You only have this human existence, this life in this body, in this world that you're in at this moment in time. So I encourage you, if you don't have something in mind already, to go ahead and even put it in your calendar if you need to, but give yourself some time to sit with yourself, reconnect, reflect, and think about what you want for 2024. I know I am really looking forward to that. We will actually be heading to Florida the day after Christmas, which I'm really excited about. You know, we live in a cold weather climate. And last year, I remember thinking and saying to my husband, wow, it would have been really nice just to get away and completely disconnect and relax after kind of the the chaos of the holiday. You know, the holidays are beautiful and exciting and we celebrate Christmas and I absolutely love Christmas. It's like the only holiday I actually decorate my house for. But, 
you know, our oldest daughter, her birthday is Christmas Eve. So not only am I coordinating Christmas and playing Santa, I am planning usually a family birthday party and a friend birthday party and all of that stuff too. So we are heading out, going to relax and enjoy some time with family in Florida. We are lucky enough to have some family that we get to stay with and enjoy their company. And yeah, so my plan is to take that time while I am there feeling really good and do my goals and manifestations for 2024. So I hope you have the opportunity to do the same. So today... I am sharing a conversation with JJ D. Geronimo. She is a thought leader, career strategist, and light worker. She's an award-winning author, but she recently published a book called Seeking. It's 74 key findings to raise your energy, sidestep your self-doubt, and align with your life's work. And what's really amazing about this conversation, especially for everyone listening who, you know, you are in corporate America and you've been doing that for quite some time. It's not to say that you should leave that at all, but it's truly just about aligning and realigning to your authentic self and living a true and honest, beautiful life that lights you up, no matter if you are in that, because there are certainly some circumstances where We need to shift and change the energy of working in that environment. And she brings so much wisdom and experience to this conversation, which I think is super, super valuable because she's been there. She's done that, right? And she's gone through this evolution. And so every element of her journey can be quite relatable depending on where you are at in your life. One of the things that we talk about too is solo trips, and this is something I've really been leaning into the last year and uh, definitely have some intentional plans to do this, but I do feel like what I did with my 40th birthday over the summer and going with one friend was my kind of gateway into these very quiet, peaceful, introspective opportunities for solo time. So I hope you enjoy this conversation. Her book is unique in the way that she shares all of these findings, but it's almost like a workbook or a journal as you go through it. So if that is something that aligns with the way that you consume or digest kind of insightful, spiritual, self-help, self-development type books, this is definitely a book for you because you will be engaging throughout the entire process to reflect and write. Um, So if that is you, definitely grab your copy. But I hope you enjoy this conversation with JJ. I hope it inspires you as you move into the new year in your reflection and look ahead session with yourself. In addition to that, I am really thinking about hosting an in-person workshop at my home late February, early March. And I would love for this to be a core group of amazing women who are local, 
that are just seeking connection and expansion and want to dip their toes a little bit in the waters of mindfulness and manifestation and reflection and community. This will be a very low entry point for the workshop. You'll definitely have some goodies, but if this is something that you're interested in, please DM me your email address. I am collecting them to get on a wait list so I can send out communication when it's time. Or feel free to email me at kristen at theevolvingmama.com. And as always, if you enjoyed this conversation, if you enjoy this podcast, I would be so grateful. I'll take a little Christmas present of a rating and a review if you wouldn't mind. I love your feedback. It's super meaningful. And the reality is the more ratings and reviews you have, the more this podcast grows, meaning it reaches more people and the more impact that I have. And that is truly what lights me up. So enjoy this conversation. Have a beautiful holiday wherever you're celebrating, whatever you're celebrating. And I will see you in the new year. Hi, JJ. Welcome to the Evolving Mama podcast. I am so excited to talk with you today. Hi. Hi, Kristen. I couldn't be more thrilled. I know this topic. Such a good one. Can't wait to get into it. Yeah, absolutely. And I know I obviously read your book, Seeking 74 Key Findings to Raise Your Energy, Sidestep Your Self-Doubts, and Align Your Life's Work. And I have to say it was it was such a unique book, but I also, from the title, I didn't expect it to be as spiritual as it was, which for me was such a pleasure and a surprise. And you actually mentioned a lot of people that I follow, like Rebecca Campbell and I had a bit of a spiritual awakening that happened from when I was pregnant with my last daughter and I read Seed of the Soul. So I'd love to just even start there. We're going to dig into all the concepts in the book, but I'd love to hear about if you feel like you maybe went through some sort of spiritual awakening and what that means to you and kind of creating this book. Mm, Well, I can appreciate, you know, everything that goes into being pregnant and having kids. I feel like a lot of this started when I was a young mom. So when I was a young mom, I was questioning kind of women's place in society and especially working women because we're marketed so heavily to that we can have it all. Yet I felt like my wheels were falling off on so many fronts. And so I was sort of had a whisper early on to start a women's group, but I didn't have enough confidence to do it. Even though I was successful in my own right, I just didn't think like I could even manage another thing. And two years later, I eventually ended up starting that women's group, which led to the findings of my first book, The Working Woman's GPS, when the plan to have it all leads you astray. And, you know, I had no intentions of writing a book, but there were so many great nuggets of wisdom that I gained from so many women that were five, 10, 15 years ahead of me that I started writing it down for my daughter. At the time was probably two and a half or three. And I know you can appreciate this. I started writing at 11 o'clock at night till one or two in the morning, maybe one or two times a week because I too had a very full-time job. And that was the only space I had for peace and quiet that I could actually just be in my thoughts. Yeah. And, you know, you mentioned a couple of words and you talk about this in the book too, which is these whispers and nudges. So I think we all maybe could have things coming to us, but can you talk a little bit more about what that feels like, you know, for women who maybe 
well, am I getting whispers or nudges? Like, what does that mean? What should I look out for? What does that feel like? Or mm. what questions are coming up if you're experiencing that? Well, it's interesting. I'll, I'll give an example that I was in Seattle speaking at a women's conference in 2016. And as I was walking off stage, I got like a thought, bring the women outside. And I was like, no, right now I'm in a huge conference center. Like there's no way I'm getting these women to go outside. They're moving on to their next session. And it's funny because I didn't realize that that was a nudge from the universe because I had heard thoughts and, and ideas before, but this was so outside of something I was already doing that I didn't really understand what it was. And as soon as I heard it, I said, no way, because I wasn't thinking like I could do it over time. I was thinking like I could do it like that moment. And so it's funny because I kept getting that nudge, that same message, even though I didn't really know what it meant for almost a year later, when I was talking to a woman and she's like, do you ever have retreats? Like, I just feel like you would be a great retreat leader. And I'm like, what? So I started putting the pieces together of things that people were saying to me and messages that I was getting, because the messages that come to me are like my own thoughts. I know they're not my thoughts because there's no way I would think bring the women outside. But I was seeing so many women sit outside their body that it was like they were sitting in the conference room, but they were like sitting next to themselves. They weren't really grounded in their body. They weren't grounded in their gifts. And in 2018, I started retreats, which I talk in great detail about in the book, but I'd never been to retreat. I didn't know what I was doing. And I doubted myself every step of the way. And just last, like two months ago, I just had my 14th retreat. Wow. Wow. So it's, it's almost like you heard something that you, you heard it in your voice, but it was, you knew it wasn't yours, but you almost had to translate it. Like bring the women outside, but what were all the little things around you that could connect to that intuition or that phrase? I love that. That's so amazing. So I think for the listeners, it's really, what are you hearing? What are you feeling? And beginning to see how that connects to other areas of your life where the universe is trying to tell you something and then taking action like you did, right? And eventually doing those retreats. Yeah. And I think to go back kind of to your first question too, because you're like, you know, did you just jump into this? I would say the universe has been nudging me along for a long time, but a lot of my sort of catalysts come through people. I know like my, my husband is one of my biggest catalysts, whether I want him to be or not. Um, when we get in discussions or disagreements or things that happen, I feel like it's really the times in my life where I start to question, like, what am I doing? Is this the right energy? Is this what I should be doing? And I feel like we've had different times in our marriage that have really pushed me to see. And I feel like that. And, the, you know, if other family situations or things happening at work, and I feel like the universe gives me like a one-two punch sometimes when it really wants me to kind of seek more. Mm, yeah. I mean, sometimes I guess a bigger phrase for that people call them the dark night of the soul, but it's really, I'm actually in that point right now where I have been just living up here and I can feel just this, this growth kind of creeping in. And sometimes that feels really uncomfortable. It doesn't necessarily always feel good, but I'm still questioning and digging to learn and grow in those moments. Uh, so I can, I can absolutely relate to that. I do want to talk a little bit too, cause you mentioned retreats, but I know Sometimes I think women, you know, they want to listen to the nudges, the whispers, they want to hear what's coming in, 
but I am a mother of two young daughters working full time in corporate America, running a podcast, coaching women. So the time, the human construct of time is really tight. And you talk a lot about taking time for solo trips and giving yourself the space. And I remember reading just how hesitant you were and how much guilt you felt in terms of wanting to follow those nudges to just get some space for you to reconnect to yourself. So I'd love to hear a little bit about solo trips and why you think that's valuable and why we should commit to doing that for ourselves. Well, I think to your point earlier, like we're just busy all the time and we function really well and busy. And I think sometimes like it's hard to think about being by ourselves. Like it can be scary. It can feel lonely. It can feel like you're not loved. But for me, when I was going through a dark night of the soul, I realized I had a lot of inner turmoil that I was trying to sort through and I just could not do it with someone else with me. And so when I was writing one night at 11, 12, 1 AM, I found myself on Google searching for like a renewal, a retreat, like something that I could figure out what my soul wants. And I ended up on, I ended up on a website called um, soul adventures in Sedona And, you know, the first couple of times I just shut the page because I had so much guilt about wanting to seek my own path. I felt like, who am I to do that? I'm not going to spend the money. I'm not going to ask my husband um, to stay home with the kids again, because I traveled for my day job. I was gone all the time. And I just felt so guilty leaving for the weekend too, which I ended up taking my trip during the week, uh, just taking time off of work. And then just taking the time off of work brought a whole nother level of guilt but I think that there's real value in carving out space by yourself. And even if you can't get on a plane, like go to a yoga studio two towns over, or, you know, go on a hike by yourself or go have lunch by yourself. Like, that's just like whatever you can do to carve out space to just be by yourself over time can be very powerful. The first few times it's almost uncomfortable. I promise you just keep doing it and you will find great peace in being by yourself. Yeah. Yeah. Such great advice. And you can learn so much about yourself and experience so much growth in such a short amount of time when you do that. You know, I, similar to you, I think you talked about, you know, wanting to go on this 40th birthday, which I had my 40th this past June um, and end up going to Ohio. So I am being called to like all the energy vortexes now and since doing that, I'm giving myself permission. You know, sometimes you just are looking for permission from somebody. And quite often that's just going to be from yourself to be able to do that. So you started doing these things and really following your intuition, these nudges, but you mentioned this a little bit in wanting to create the retreats, but just moving through self-doubt and fear and can imagine you were successful, you know, corporate leader in tech and, you know, obviously had a lot of responsibility. But despite that, throughout these years of digging into this process and writing books and being a thought leader and a speaker, I assume, probably safe to assume, you still experience some fear and self-doubt. So how can you help others kind of move through that? Like, does it go away over time or how do we move through that self-doubt and those fears? Oh my goodness. Well, I'll tell you, I think this is the number one barrier. Why women do not lean into their whispers, do not start that initiative. They've been thinking about for a long time, because 
I'll tell you, I list, you know, when I ask people, what are your fears? They'll say, well, I'm afraid of snakes or heights or, you know, spiders. And I'm like, well, what's your fear of doing something new or, or what's your fear of doing something that's on your mind that you really haven't leaned into? And that's where you really get the real fears, right? I'm fear of losing money. I'm fear of looking ridiculous. I'm fearful of not working out. I'm fearful that my family won't accept me. I'm fearful that, you know, my mom will say something. I mean, the list goes on and on. I think I listed a page and a half in seeking of all the answers I got from so many people. And I think for many of us, recognizing that we all have fears and most of them are based on stories that were created decades and decades ago, and that really finding ways to kind of figure out what what is making you fearful and what is the worst thing that can happen? As Jen Sincero says in her book, You're a Badness, she says, let me just see what I can do. Because when she says, let me see what I can do, she doesn't put the pressure of having to be perfect. She doesn't put the pressure of having to know everything or having everything freaked out. She's just leaning in to see what she can learn or do or experience. Yeah, I um I have her book right now. Um, you're a badass at making money, so I'm really enjoying her humor um, as well as she writes. So, are are there any tactical things that you could share that you encourage women that you meet with and speak to? Like, what are what are the tactical things that they can do to really start to move through some of those fears into action or inspired action? What does that look like if that's our biggest barrier? What are some tactical things we can do to start breaking through those barriers? Well, one thing I had to do is, and I didn't do it because I was like, oh yeah, this sounds like a great idea. I was really highly encouraged by somebody multiple times to go to mindfulness training. And I thought it was ridiculous. That was the, the dumbest thing I was ever going to do. But honestly, it ended up being the cornerstone of the work that I do now because mindfulness training, if you have the opportunity to go in your town, many Many different wellness centers and even hospitals have the training. It's usually eight weeks long. I follow John Kabat-Zinn and I will say that basically gives you the ability to understand and pay attention to your thoughts. And for me, I thought I was my thoughts. I thought everything I thought I should create action on, or I should assess, or I should evaluate or reflect on. And in reality, your thoughts are really just a piece of who you are. And mindfulness gave me that space to kind of see my thoughts on a conveyor belt and say, oh, there's that fear thought. There's the story associated to my second grade teacher. There's the story that had to do with one of my first job and I made a fool of myself and I never want to feel that again. And I think for me, mindfulness has given me the ability to step back and kind of look at my thoughts and decide which ones I want to hold on to and which ones am I going to let this play. So that's one thing. And I think that's like a huge personal step to really decide if you're going to do that, because I frankly could not be mindful until I, I'm sorry, I could not be like, I could not meditate until I learned mindfulness. Meditation didn't work for me because I had so many things I was working on that I really used meditation as a way to make lists. So my grocery list, my PowerPoint presentation, everything that I was doing, I would do that during meditation. And that wasn't meditating. That was being busy. Yeah. Yeah. And I, I have friends even who, cause I'm a big advocate for meditating and a lot of them say like, I just can't do it. But I think, you know, what you said is so helpful, which is you are not your thoughts, right? I think 
we get to this place where we just think everything that is running through our hamster wheel mind is our reality and it's really how we feel and it's really how we think and it's the true expectations of ourselves. where being mindful and getting into that practice is actually, like you said, it's, I look at it as almost like your higher self is stepping back and outside of your physical body as the observer of what you're doing, which is such an incredible breakthrough um, you know, process for people. So that focus on mindfulness and meditation is absolutely huge. You know, something that, and I think I would, Oh yeah, go ahead. I would add to that too. Like, that's just like step one. I think the other thing that's really helpful that helped me, and I'm sure you do this too, is I started a practice of gratitude at the end of the day. Like, what are the five things I'm grateful for? Like every moment gratitude, like, Oh my gosh, I have hot coffee or I have gas in my car. Like I have gas in my car. I have a hot coffee. I have just ways to be grateful for the things that are available to me. I have a computer. I have internet. I get to speak with these amazing people. Like I really had to train myself how to be appreciative for every little thing I have, because as you're reading in many of your books is that I you're not, the universe isn't going to give you more unless you're grateful for what you have. And so if you're always complaining about, you know, not getting into the class you want, or maybe the coffee shop screwed up your coffee, or, you know, your child didn't get on the list of the team for whatever sport they're playing. If you're constantly walking around complaining that you're not getting, I promise you, you are not getting any more. Okay. So first tactic is that mindfulness piece, um, really leaning into that. And I know, uh, John Kabat-Zinn, like you could YouTube, right. And, and really find some free stuff there. The second thing is also free and can be really fast, right. A gratitude practice. And you mentioned even in the moments. Um, and I also like to talk about like, what can you, like, even before you open your eyes, but when you're awake in the morning, just like the way you start your day is thinking of three things that you're just grateful for. And that could just be the coziness of your bed, right? It doesn't have to be anything huge. Um, so I love those two suggestions, those two tactical suggestions. Oh, and I could go on. I mean, the other thing I would say too, is you have to pay attention to what you're paying attention to. And so what are you reading? What are you watching? What are you listening to? What conversations are you in? Because when I really kind of found myself in a mud puddle, which was like, everything really wasn't working. I wasn't the best version of myself. I wasn't very spiritual. I was not very aligned. I was very unhappy. And it took a lot of steps to kind of get out of that mud puddle to elevate myself to the next level, to the next level, to the next level. For me, I had to really kind of pay attention to what friendships I was in what conversations I was having in those friendships. What was I listening to? Like I used to listen to, I, I start, I've always listened to self-help, but I listened to a lot of leadership books and kind of a lot of leadership books that were like ego driven. Like I get there, got to get it done. Get it. I mean, I if that I had to really listen to more, like just softer approach to life and really start paying attention to how I was engaging with other people and how I was engaging with myself because I can be really hard on myself, like a lot of people where I'm like, oh my gosh, you did 99 things right, but let's hyper-focus on the one that you screwed up. And let's hyper-focus on that for 48 hours. Like that's not helpful. And I've had to give myself a lot of grace to be like, you know what? Yes, you screwed up on that one thing. So be it. But maybe you haven't learned that lesson yet, or maybe you needed that next lesson 
and to come behind it. And so I've really had to give myself a lot of grace, but also I have to pay close attention to what I'm engaging in. Yeah. Yeah. That's a good one too. evaluate and assess what you're consuming, what energy you surround yourself around. Right. I do think people get into this space where they think because they've been friends with somebody since they were little or young, that it's meant to be forever. And it could even go with family relationships, but I do think that it's really important to assess that and make sure that you are in a space and connected with people that are aligned with who you are as you grow, right? Because we all, we all evolve. Um, thinking about, you know, we've got a lot of people who are in corporate America. And when you were talking about some of the fears, a lot of it is rooted in, I'm like, why do we have these fears? Like, why do they even exist on earth right now? Right. And you talk a little bit about this in the book too, which is just this masculine way of living and this masculine energy. And I'm in corporate America as well. And it can feel a little scary sometimes to be authentic, lean into some of the more feminine energy. And so I guess I just want to talk about that a little bit. Like what was your experience in being in corporate America and leadership and having to really be in that masculine world? And how were you able to kind of shift and bring that feminine in? Because you mentioned like, we need more women leaders, even if you are in corporate and not doing something else on the side that you're passionate about, like we need to bring that there to make change. Yes. Yes. And we all have masculine and feminine energy, but corporate America is highly masculine, as you have said, and in many ways, it often requires us to check our knowing at the door and really get into this drive, do, be, succeed, create, hit mentality. And especially if you're in any type of sales role too, I mean, oh my goodness. So I didn't know it when I was in it, to be quite honest, I've just left corporate America uh, a few years ago. And I feel like I had no idea that I was so heavily in the masculine, but now that I spend so much time speaking at women's events and in corporate events, I can see it so clearly. And so, you know, when the word people hear the word feminine, they think pink and fruity and Barbie and all the stuff. But the reality is, is feminine knowing is really about tapping into your innate wisdom to align with your natural gifts, to ground yourself in mother nature in the sense that it really keeps you strong and healthy and whole. And, you know, I have a podcast where I interview all these energy practitioners and a woman, I asked her, she was about 70 and she is an intuitive. And I said, well, you know, I made a comment like, oh, you know, that must be hard being in corporate. She goes, no, actually it's lovely. I sit around the table and I just watch all the energies and I know what direction they're going in before they even go in. And I know how hard I should push or not push because I really rely on my intuition. Yeah. I've started doing that a lot and I've noticed significant changes in just the outcomes, the output, what is happening in my work. And so I think part of it is taking the steps to do that and to lean into it see what happens. And then it starts to create belief. Cause I think when you're in the corporate world, like you mentioned, it's very masculine. And even though we have both energies, we tend to just morph into that instead of trying to be the outlier and bring something new in. Right. And so we're a little afraid. I mean, they talk about it a lot. It's like, well, you have to be PC, 
right? If you're in corporate America and, you know, don't say something you shouldn't say, or uh, don't act in a way that you shouldn't, or bring something to the table that you shouldn't. So I think that, oh, there's just a massive shift that's going to happen over time as women start to have these experiences and bring that to the workforce, which is incredible. Oh, do tell though. Like if you could share a story, I'd love to hear it. Just the way that you sit back and watch sometimes, because I think it's so helpful because people just, I think it's hard for them to visualize what to do. Yeah. Yeah. I think so often, and like this maybe isn't necessarily a specific example, but so often we are like, we're in all these meetings, right? And quite often we might not say what we're really thinking and what we're really thinking might be a great idea but it might be something that they might think is like intuitive or emotional. And so what I've started doing, and I say this um, because we have a women's group and I've spoken to them before at my, my job, which is I have chosen to show up authentic. So my example is when I'm thinking these things, they're intuition, it's emotional, but it's rooted in my wisdom. Like you said, I bring it up and it's been received actually particularly well um, in several situations. And even if it's about interviewing and hiring people, right? Like I, I would like to get away from some of these tactical questions about their experiences. Like how do I dig into character or their experiences of life and who they are as a person, which can tend to feel a little bit more emotional. Um, so that's kind of an example, but I think it's at the root of it. It's for me, it's showing up authentic. I can't hide anymore you know, what I'm thinking. If I'm in that mindfulness space, I know what's ego versus like what is really coming in intuitively that I should share. That is beautiful. And I really think that you could teach so many people how to do that. I think corporate America is ready for that more authentic way. I think a lot of people that are teaching authenticity and some of these strategies are still heavily in the masculine. So even though they have good intentions to come in and teach and educate, they're really not leaning equally into the feminine and masculine energy, which we all have, as I mentioned. And I think that the world needs more of that cooperation, integration, seek to understand, you know, really kind of coming together in a new way. Yeah. Yeah. Shifting gears a little bit, because you talked about this in, you know, when I asked about moving through fear, which is, oh, is that, you know, in mindfulness, like, oh, you see it on the conveyor belt, like, is that connected from my childhood and what happened with my mom? You know, is it from my relationship with my sibling? Is it what happened in college or university? And I know you talk a lot about leaning on healers in your book, right? Uh, leaning on a team of people to grow and experience and dive in. So I'd like to talk about that a little bit because I do think the support in your growth and evolution is critical to kind of going through these awakenings and, and evolution. So I'd love to hear your perspective on, you know, you're getting these nudges and you you know, there's something different. You know, there's a change you want to experience. You don't know what it is, but how can you lean on people and healers and supporters to kind of go through this process? So you're not alone. That's such a beautiful question because often where you are and the people you interact with may or may not be the people that help you move through your next journey slash lesson. And so sometimes you need to stretch outside of your known group. And sometimes it comes through a teacher. Sometimes that comes through an author It could come through a YouTuber. I mean, I do so much just from my phone. I'm an 
avid listener to books on audibles. I follow so many light workers and energy practitioners on YouTube. And then I also have the opportunity to travel. So I go to Omega. I just was there. I saw Rebecca Campbell and uh, many others in September. And I feel like I'm constantly seeking my own truth, my own alignment. And I do that through watching and listening to other people's journeys. And once in a while, I'll get like um, a reading or I'll do a channeling session. And I find that I'm always seeking knowledge about myself and my journey, but I do take everything with a grain of salt. And I'm like, okay, I'll take that. I'm not going to use that piece, but I'm going to leverage this piece. So I really see it not much different than taking the Myers-Briggs or a 360 review. It's just information about you. You get to choose what you're going to pay attention to. Yeah. Do you have a, like a daily practice or just things that you like to do every day uh, it, within space in your day to kind of connect and just center yourself? Oh, yes. I use my phone all the time. It's like my favorite tool. So I'm always listening to books and I keep all the books I read up on Goodreads. I just one after the other. I'm always learning. I'm an active learner. My moon is in my ninth house in my birth chart. So I love to experience and travel and read and listen. So that's an active practice. I do often do meditations, uh, but I've also used my workout as a meditation too. I do a lot of working out by myself. So I'm really trying to just clear and just feel what it's like to be in my body because I feel like there's so often I'm sitting like outside of my body in a lot of ways. And I have this new woman I'm working with, Julia, that is teaching me how to not live outward. Like a lot of us live behind in the past or we remove ourselves from our body and we kind of kind of energies above. And some of us like me live outward, like I'm vision and where am I going towards? And so I'm really working to like, sort of get back into my body all the time. So I can just really be part of this human experience and just really work with the energy that I have within my body as much as possible. And so I've constantly learning new strategies and techniques of how to do it. Uh, and I leverage so many of the tools like my human design and my birth chart and numerology and Enneagrams to really kind of get a feel of who I am and how I move through the world so that I can put myself in the best work environments, the best projects, and really even just the right relationships on a lot of levels. Yeah. Yeah. I appreciate all of those tools as well. I think you mentioned you, I don't know if it's your son, something's Aquarius, but what is your sun, moon and rising sign? If you know them. Oh yeah, of course. So my son is a Aquarius. My moon is Sagittarius and my rising is cancer. Ah, okay. My, I'm a cancer sun and Aquarius moon and Aquarius rising. So we're- Wow. So you love innovation. You love doing things new ways, but yes. you feel good. Like people feel good when they're around you. Yes. A very calming grounding energy is what I'm told, but then I'm also just like big thinker, you know, innovative. Very big. So, yeah. Be curious know. to see what houses, because I learned the birth chart mm -hmm. mostly because it was, it was a can opener for me because mm -hmm. I, I just learned so much in my, about myself from my birth chart. Your birth chart is determined by your birth date, your birth time and your birth location. And now I read birth charts for people because I feel like, especially for women and women in business, like what is the work you're supposed to be doing? Like, what are you here to do in the world? And it's funny because my son is in my eighth house, which is really kind of like complicated topics, a lot of law and accounting and 
just really heavy topics, but I love to talk about heavy things. As you see in the books, like I like to hit things head on. I went after like your relationship with your mother, your relationship with money. Maybe are you struggling for, from perfectionism? Like I love deep conversation that shifts the needle on how you move through life. And I don't think I would have known that if I didn't learn about my birth chart. Oh, I love that. I, I, the same thing happened to me. I think in 2020, I pulled my natal chart from a free chart, like astrology cafe or astrology.com. And I am not so tuned into the houses. I should probably seek, um, an astrology reading to really dig in, but I pulled the whole chart and I read all 20 pages, you know, and just like, it's like shocked at everything that I read, that it was so aligned with, you know, who I am. And also just gave me a lot of insight into where to focus and, what I should do. So that's, that's so cool. Um, it was that newer for you in terms of digging into astrology or had you always been interested in that? You know, I've always been interested, but during uh, the COVID, I just, I took three different master classes to learn it. And I created this huge spreadsheet of just like all the pieces. And I just find it fascinating how accurate it is. And even my Chiron, which usually circles around your 50th birthday, it is kind of like where you most afraid. And it's funny because my Chiron is in my 10th house, which has to do with work and business. And it was just around my 50th birthday that I started talking about the things I really wanted to talk about work, which is your spiritual alignment, your feminine and masculine. Like how do you leverage who you are to make a difference in the world? And coming from a very heavy pet career, uh, I think I would, I was scared to death to talk about that or post about it. And now I freely post it on LinkedIn and I'm not afraid anymore. And I think it helped me knowing my birth chart because it gave me permission, as we mentioned earlier, to lean into what was calling me in a bigger way. Yeah. Yeah. And we mentioned human design too. Uh, what is your, I like want to guess, but I really don't know. I would say maybe a manifesting oh. generator, but what are you? And actually a generator. So okay. 70% of us are generators, which is basically people have to do every little step of the way. I'm a three, five. So I'm a trial and error, which makes sense because I try all these things. And then I bring the best practices back through my books and keynotes. So in the five is, you know, having to do with how you interact with people and how they engage with you. What's yours. I am a generator as well. And I'm a five, one, uh, generator sacral. That's wonderful. Yeah. Sacral too. So yeah, these little bits of information, you know, some women feel and men, but I mostly work with women. So I would say women, well, women feel like, oh, I can't do that because it's against my religion, or I can't do that because my mom doesn't like that. Or my family thinks Sean's again, but honestly it's information. And I think the more you can equip yourself with information about who you are and why you're here, the easier it is for you to move through your journey. Yeah. Yeah. And a lot of that, as you mentioned, can kind of connect back to purpose. So I'd love to talk about that a little bit too. Like, what do you think everyone has a purpose in this life? Do you think there are multiple purposes? How do we discover what our purpose is, or if we feel like we're being called to something? So I do think we come down with the soul contract, like our souls know why we're here. We all come down to the planet because this planet has the most growth and opportunity to move through the biggest lessons. And so that's why we decided to come down. And oftentimes our lessons come through the people that we have soul contracts with. So it could be a spouse. It could be a sibling. It could be boss. It could be your neighbor. 
you know, there's people in our lives that are perfectly orchestrated to help us move through our lessons and kind of going back to the, just the readings and findings, you know, I think one of the things that has shifted most for me in this experience is that I really feel like life is happening for me instead of to me. Cause I've lived a long time of my life saying, Oh my gosh, I can't believe that happened to me. And in reality, life is happening for you. So literally conversations, interactions, jobs, significant others, children, they all have a purpose and why we are here. And your purpose comes, I believe is multifaceted and you kind of move through various steps of your purpose and your lessons throughout your lifetime. I see things right now happening that are circling back from when I was a child, I got a glimpse of it early on and now it's coming full circle. And I feel like even where you're born, the family you're born into the experiences that you have all are here to stretch and guide you to your next level of learning. Yeah. Yeah. So true. And like you said, I think there are phases in your life where you go through almost containers of purpose. And I'm certainly in a a state right now where I'm, there's a situation with uh, my father actually, where I'm like, okay, this is happening for me. It's not to me. Like, what is my lesson here? What can I learn? And for anybody on the surface, it would seem crazy or really hard to digest or really hard to go through. But when you get into that state of really trying to understand what the lesson is, there's just so much power really in, in getting into that space. Yes. Yes. And, you know, I've even had friends that are going through divorces right now. And I'm like, this is happening for you. And they want to kill me. They literally want to come across the table and kill me. I truly believe that they would not be stretching or doing or being, they had to go through the super tumultuous situation that they probably essentially, essentially soul has signed up for. Um, And so I always tell people the faster you can just learn the lesson or find the wisdom or connect with the why, why is this happening to me? What is going on? What is the lesson I need to learn? you know, universe, help me see the light. I tell you, it's a game changer. It is a game changer. And I continue to say, continually say to myself, this is happening for me. What is the lesson? And it's amazing how much it takes me out of this victim mentality. Yeah. Yeah. You're very powerful when you get out of that victim mentality. That's for sure. Um, and it is really hard for people to receive that sometimes from you, right? Cause we want to help everybody see the light, um, but sometimes they're just not ready. Um, so, you know, I, I want to talk, I know we only have a little bit of time left and I want to talk a little bit, you know, we talked about purpose and purpose doesn't have to be your job or your work, um, in terms of how you fulfill it or find it, but it can be right but you talk a lot about success in your book. And I'm admittedly a little bit of a type A person. I've always been very driven. I was the first person in my family to go to college, like, you know, the first one to kind of make this level of income to really support myself comfortably in my family. And I think we kind of, we have these standard perceptions of what success is, which I think sometimes creates a lot of that fear because they're rooted in what we believe is true. But truth, mm, I mean, that's subjective. So I'd love to hear a little bit about kind of what you talk about in the book around success. 
Like what does success mean? How are we ingrained to look at that? And how should we maybe shift our perspective a little bit? This is a great question. And really the basis of my third book seeking, because I was seeking so much outside of me for so long and thought it would bring me this joy and fulfillment, which really never happened. And then you add that on to like your relationship situations and you just realize, gosh, what the heck am I working so hard for? What is happening? And I would say that success for me has always been a moving carrot and an oasis of you know, opportunity that I can never quite reach. And even when I did like reach some great successes, I still didn't have that really kind of yum feeling of, oh my gosh, I did it. And so all of that kind of forced me to find another way, find another way. And my friend told me a while ago, like get rich from the energy you create. And I thought it was so ridiculous at first. Like I do a lot of things that are such a mind shift for me, but I have to say that I've really focused on that since 2016. And my life has become so much richer in so many ways from the people I get to talk to like you, to the experiences I have, to the conversations that are coming my way, and even these books that come through me. And I feel like so many of us are so focused outward. Many of us spending that solo time going on a walk or really just getting to the nut of like, what, what does inspire me? What excites me? What do I want to lean into and start to reel the energy of stretching so far outward back to being inside your body and being like, what skill sets do I have? What gifts am I not tapping into? And I think that's what the book does for you is it really gives you a tool kit to figure out what your purpose is and how do you align to your definition of success? Yeah. Yeah. You talk a lot about, you know, the definition of success when you were in your previous role was, you know, what is your income? What is your title? Have you been promoted? Right. These are all these metrics of success and looking for an email that says, great job on this project or, you know, what today, JJ, you know, what, what are some of your metrics of success today in the work that you do? Well, first and foremost, it's people that I interact with, like the fact that we're together, all these women and men that come my way that that I, you know, from all over the world that I'm talking to. So that's amazing. Second, the universe has granted me an incredible retreat center that I could have never imagined for myself based on the retreats I started back in 2000. Well, I got the idea in 16, but I didn't do anything until 2018. The universe has really forward this incredible retreat healing center on Lake Erie. It is beyond anything I could have imagined. Well, and I feel like that is success because I'm leaning into the whispers and I'm doing the work I committed to doing while I'm down here. And I know it's the right work because I'm getting the things to move in my direction that, you know, I couldn't really, there wouldn't be a linear line. And then third, you know, I'm helping more people get published. So I'm helping the words of many healers and light workers get on the pages and get in the bookstores and online. And to me, I feel like I'm going to be very happy when I tap off of this planet because I'm using everything I know how to use. And I feel like my goal is to just be exhausted in the sense of my gifts when I'm done. Yeah. And it sounds like you're, you're attracting more than you are like doing right to achieve the feeling 
that you desire really is kind of your success, right? It's that internal feeling that comes from what you do, the experiences that you have, the actions that you take in your life every day. So with our last few minutes, I'd love to just hear, I know that you've published a few books and this is your newest um, your newest book. And now you're helping others with that, which is amazing. But how did this, you know, a lot of writers will say that this book came through me, right? Or it was downloaded or I just had to do it. So I'd just love to hear about how this book came to you and what your intention is with sharing this book and its contents with the world. Mm. Well, I really appreciate that. I feel very similar to those that have said that before me. I, I do feel like sometimes as a writer, which is something I would have honestly, am still getting used to saying, uh, even though I have three books that I am lucky that this came through me because I feel like I've worked so hard to figure out my own journey. And my goal is just to help other people feel like more normal and give them permission to lean into what is calling them. I actually tried to push with seven different publishers and all of them said no, because it wasn't a pure business book and it wasn't a pure spiritual book. It really didn't fit into self-help. So I put the book on the shelf for another six to eight months and I kept getting questions from people on very specific chapters in the book, which I really saw as the sign that I had to finish the book. And when I put my mind to finishing the book, the people started to appear. You know, I use Upwork all the time. I found great editors and I got a great publishing company. And it actually took all my books back and put them under my own publishing umbrella so that I could help other people get published because I just don't want this masculine energy, even in the publishing industry, to prevent so many from getting their wisdom out into the world. And so I feel so fortunate to be on this journey, even though there's been many long nights and many long weeks, I feel like I have so much gratitude. This is my journey. Yeah. Yeah. And the book to me was very much um, like I started right with it. It was very practical and pragmatic, but then it did have the spiritual piece, which it just merging the two was amazing. But I felt like it's almost like this workshop in your hand where you get to read and digest all of this. But if you just aren't able at this time to like go to a live workshop or spend the time at a retreat, like you could actually take this book and really lean on you, JJ, and your words to do your own little internal workshop day by day when you get to kind of spend some time and cozy up with the Seeking book. That is music to my ears because when you're writing, you're like, is this going to resonate with anybody? But I feel like this book, I feel like this was the book I was meant to write. I love the two other books and they've helped thousands and thousands of women. This is the book I was meant to write. And I feel like I wouldn't have been able to do it as vulnerably as I did had I not had those other experiences. And I just have to say, like, I'm just honored that you would take the time and I hope more women will find the book and when it's ready for them and, and do the work because we need more women at more tables. We need more women like really living within their gifts to really equalize out the energy of the planet. So not only for us, but for our children, our nieces, our nephews, and the people behind us. Yeah. 
Yeah. And, you know, maybe this book was meant to come through you now, but as you mentioned with purpose, it can ebb and flow in phases of your life. So I can't wait to see what is next for you and what's to come, because I know you are still on this evolution and journey just based on what I'm reading. You're tapping into so much and it's so exciting. So I'd love to hear how people can connect with you, what you have to offer to the world right now and where they can get the book. Well, you can definitely check out all the links. I, we've included those and you can always reach out to me on social platforms under JJ Geronimo. And if you want to check out the book seeking, I would encourage you to write seeking maybe 74 in JJ and Google. Otherwise you may end up on a dating site. Uh, well, maybe it's uh, two birds with one stone. I mean, maybe so. Well, thank you so much for this beautiful conversation, JJ. And I can't wait to share this book with my listeners. And I know that you are very passionate about getting this out into the world for those who need it. Thank you. And thank you for your work and leaning into such a demanding schedule to really kind of fill your soul and really align to what is calling you. What you're doing is not easy. And I feel like it's a great example to many people of how you can do things off the side of your desk. Thank you so much. That was so beautiful. Thank you.